Good morning, everybody, and welcome to episode 177, part one of the Quickie Podcast. I'm your host, Dave Hopkins, and thanks so much for being here. I got another review before I introduce today's guest. I like to give a shout out to these, uh, to the folks taking time out of their day to leave me a review and what they think about the show. This one has the subject of great chats, five stars, just saying, um, by, and I'm going to not pronounce this right, so full disclosure, Najinrod uh, G. Najinrod G. And they say, it's rad to hear real insights and experiences shared by real creatives. Now, just a second, this isn't part of the, the, the review here, but I kind of dig the word rad. Like, where did that go? Do people still say that? Let me know. I think I got I to gotta bring it back. Bring it, Brad. I, I got a rad review here. So let's start from the top. It's rad to hear real insights and experiences shared by real creatives. There's always a lot I can empathize with, but also always a few surprises. Love the format and the setup. The casual conversations Dave has with his guests are really authentic and honest. Najin Rod G, thank you so much for leaving that review. I really appreciate it. Um, yeah, that's fantastic. So let's get to today's guest. Today's guest is David Saracino. He is an illustrator and visual development artist out of Brooklyn, New York. During part one of this episode, we talk about his childhood, moving from Buffalo to Italy and the cultural influences that he picked up from that. His parents are artists and creatives, and he was always drawing. He graduated school at the Economic College, and he pulled a lot of lessons from that that he shares with us. He moved to Sweden and spent some time there for a couple of years. Then he got into commercial animation, then moved back to New York. My gosh, this guy's been everywhere. He has done work for the New York Times, Washington Post, The New Yorker, and more. Does some great stuff. We also talk about the work that he did for The New Yorker and why it was so influential to him. He also shares with us why sending physical printed pieces to art directors helps you stand out and get those gigs, get those jobs. So let's get right to it. Ladies and gentlemen, part one of my interview with David Saracino. Here we go. Welcome to the Quickie Podcast, the daily interview show where we talk to graphic designers about their journey to the creative field, and we do it in 30 minutes or less. So, are you ready for a Quickie? David, welcome to the Quickie Podcast, man. Hey, thanks for having me. How's it going? It's going great. My pleasure to have you here. Um, Are you ready for a Quickie? Yeah, I'm ready. <laughs> All right. Let's start with the tough stuff. Briefly tell the listeners about yourself. All righty. Uh, well, I, um, I studied editorial illustration in school. Mm-hmm. Um, I went to Syracuse University in central New York. Uh, so I graduated from there in 2009. Graduated right into the economic collapse. Nice. That yeah, it was really, really good timing. Um, so that was fun. But, uh, you know, it's as much as... I, I regret that timing. It really, I think, kind of made me work harder and 
work smarter throughout it. And, you know, I, I lived at home for a year after graduating and with my parents and they were kind enough not to charge me rent. Nice. So I was able to, yeah, I worked, I worked retail. I worked for Apple retail actually. Right on. Yeah, it was, that was also an experience. <laughs> uh, I'm from, uh, I'm from Buffalo, New York. So it's, you know, I, you know, Buffalonians would never say this, but I often joke that it's uh, almost Toronto, so it's almost Canada. So I thought you might appreciate hey, that. I appreciate that. that. Welcome. <laughs> as Welcome, as I wish eh? it was. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's, uh, it was, you know, it was good to live at home for the year. I, you know, I worked the whole time retail, so I was able to save up money. And then I moved to New York City. I moved to uh, Astoria, Queens with a buddy of mine from college and high school. And, uh, we were both like doing the design thing, but like both work in retail still to make ends meet. And then, uh, I started, you know, I started getting enough freelance work to really kind of do it myself. And it was mainly editorial print illustration at the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I always did personal work on the side. Mm-hmm. So I always made it a priority to do that. And, uh, did that for a while. Um, and, you know, going after the big names that I you know, had heard about from my professors and from people and, you know, kind of have target laser vision on some of them, but you never really know how it's going to work out. And art directors and designers will jump around from magazine to newspaper and you really have to have that, you know, game on too. Mm-hmm. And you have to really be knowing where people are and keep up to date with that kind of thing of mastheads and such, <laughs> for sure. you know, <laughs> and, uh, then, yeah, eventually I, uh, was pursued by a small, um, design agency or digital agency actually, and started doing a little bit of commercial work and found that, you know, for the same amount of time I was making double or triple per day, you know, I was able to charge day rates and, it just, you know, prices of the price of living in New York and Brooklyn just kept going up and up. Mm-hmm. So it's, it was, it was kind of a natural progression of where I should go. And, uh, yeah. And then I, I met my wife, we got married, uh, a month or two after we got married, uh, she got a job and we moved to Stockholm, Sweden. Wow. Okay. And that was after six years of living here maybe seven years of living in New York. So then we lived in Stockholm for almost two years. And I started working at a commercial animation studio called Brick in Stockholm and was full time there, which was an unheard of opportunity here in, here in New York. Uh, and those, uh, full time illustration position was very rare. Mm -hmm. And I, I kind of had the big fish in a small pond syndrome kind of going on there, but Mm -hmm. they are sweet. The people that worked there were super sweet and they took me under their wing and taught me the ropes of, you know, start to finish production, uh, asset creation management for, for animation, for commercial animation. So mm-hmm. I was doing character designs and storyboards and prepping the files to be then delivered to the animators. And then they would take it from there. Um, and did you and say that, the, did you say the people there were super Swede? Oh no, <laughs> no, kidding. but I, I should have. That's great. Right. No, no, no. They, they love puns. <laughs> And it's funny because like the, the, the language barrier is such that some puns like are 
perfect and some of them just don't make any sense yeah. for as amazing as their English is mm-hmm. like they speak just better than most Americans speak because <laughs> nice. they're all taught like British English in school you know so it's yeah. like super proper the proper uh, proper English yeah but they have like this the Swedish like kind of dance to the voice so it's like oh yes you have to do this you know it's but the <laughs> I know, love it it was, it was great I mean they they were a very sweet group of people and I mm-hmm. still work with them um and then when our time ended, we moved back and we, you know, we missed our friends and family and, uh, and we, you know, my wife and I are both musicians on the side too. And we had moved with all of our stuff and all of our instruments and we didn't use any of them there cause they don't have the same kind of music sentimentality that they do here. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, uh, yeah, we moved back and I picked it back up. I got more into commercial work and now I'm kind of still doing that. I'm making and doing character design, storyboarding. Um, I'm doing some branding work, which is new for me, but it's illustration-centered branding work, so mm-hmm. I'm still in my element, and that's kind of where I'm at now. Got it. So before <laughs> sort of going out on your own and then going to Sweden and then you know everything that happened there, did yeah. you, between school and that, did you work, like you worked in some studios, you sort of got your in-house chops going? So honestly, no. Everything I was done, I was doing was done from home. Uh, like I said, it was mostly editorial work. So I was doing work for like the New York Times, Washington Post. Um, I did some stuff for Vox and uh, a handful of others. And then eventually, I actually got into the New Yorker. So that was like a like a holy grail for some editorial illustrators. For me, at least, it was. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a big um, deal. Yeah, it was it was cool, and it was for like the TV and movies section, which is like my my jam. So oh. that was really fun, you know. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so hearing that um, later yeah. on in the show, we get to the ask it forward question. The right. Ask it right. forward from my previous guest. You're gonna love. Oh, cool! We're gonna do it at the end, though, right? Oh yeah, yeah, right at the end. I'm just gonna tease it right now. Mm. <laughs> love it. Yeah, I'm looking forward to that, and I had an idea of what I'm gonna ask for the next one too. But um, but yeah, it was it. I was working mainly from home. I always had. Um, a space in my bedroom devoted to work, but that, you know, that's kind of a lot when you're waking up literally next to the place that you're working. Totally. Yeah. That's killer. You know, and I didn't have, uh, I had roommates, you know, but I, you know, I, all of the people I was dating would, were, you know, full time somewhere. Mm. Um, so I was always at home alone essentially. And then I eventually got a cat and the cat kind of kept me company a little bit, but he's, a cat, so you know, not not great conversation, but <laughs> uh, <laughs> but yeah, eventually I started doing on-site work um, with uh, with the commercial and commercial studios. So the the agencies and the smaller studios were, you know, it's kind of the thing. Like you're living in New York, you're living in Brooklyn, they want to um, have you there. Mm-hmm. And they want to know that at the drop of a hat, you can come in because a lot of times, you know, for as much as I love these guys, they're not always the best planners, at least, um, I don't know. It's kind of give or take per studio, but, mm-hmm. um, sometimes they're like, Hey, are you available tomorrow? And I am the person who never says no. So I'm always, yes, of course. And, you know, before I moved here, I did that a couple times and ended up flying down. I had friends who were kind enough to, you know, host me during that process. Mm-hmm. But, uh, uh, you kind of have to, at the drop of a hat, be ready which, uh, you know, one of the, one of the questions you'd asked before, um, one of the hardest parts was most definitely 
all the moving around that I did. Mm-hmm. Uh, that kind of, and then we can get into that later if you yeah. wanted to. But um, that played a role in getting jobs. Oh man, you're just like teasing that a little bit here. But before I get into that yeah. um, challenges, because that's a story I definitely want to get into. Okay, um, sure. I want to kick this back a little bit and dive a little bit further back and sort of get the arrows and the directions on how this all came together. Um, so you are Italian. I'm half Italian, half Irish. Half yeah. Italian, half Irish. Wonderful. Yep. Are yep. You, were you born in New York? I was born in Buffalo. Born in Buffalo, uh, okay. Born and raised in Buffalo until I was about 10. And then my dad, who is a professor of jewelry design and metalsmithing at mm-hmm. Buff State, he accepted a position to be the director of the SUNY overseas program in uh, Siena, Italy. Mm-hmm. So we went to Siena to live for two years. And I attended an Italian school. I learned the language phonetically. And uh, then we moved back. So, so I kind of traveled a lot as a kid. Can you speak Italian? I can speak conversationally, you know, to a point. Um, I feel like the, the children of, uh, of other countries tend to have a, a better grasp on the language as a whole than mm. maybe like Americans. Mm-hmm. I don't know. <laughs> it's probably. So how do you say, um, I love the quickie podcast in Italian? <laughs> Uh, it would be, um, uh, I gotta think about this. Sorry. My, my, I'm just getting over this cold. Like I told you, so my brain's yeah, kind no of, kidding. I, ha- uh, I would have no idea. So you could just make something up and I'd be like, Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's funny because like, you know, I was taking Italian, then I moved back and I was also taking, um, Spanish because yeah. Spanish is a standardized language in, in, um, in, in America. So I always kind of got them confused and it kind of helped me and it hurt me, but it was Mm. overall, but it would be something like, it'd be like, adoro il il quickie podcast. Oh, I love it. Yeah. Sounds good. That's my new slogan. Yeah. It's adoro il il quickie podcast. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. That's awesome. Um, So your childhood, David, you moved around a bunch, you experienced a little bit of Italy, you experienced the magic that Buffalo brings. What, (laughs) what was the rest of your childhood like? Do you feel that you had a creative childhood as well, you know, from these different cultural experiences? Yes, most definitely. I, uh, I was always drawing my, both my parents encouraged me to always be drawing. Mm -hmm. They always had, my mom is a, um, art conservator, art preparator at um, Albert Knox Art Gallery. So she moves classics and masters, master works all the time. Uh, she's also had um, some experience in, in framing. So she was at a frame shop for a, a while. Mm-hmm. Uh, and my dad, like I said before, he taught male smithing and jewelry design. And he's a, a tenured professor and he definitely encouraged me to always be drawing. So I was always drawing. I always had a box of colored pencils or pens and I would, you know, I'd trace Calvin and Hobbes comics and man, you name it. I was, I was tracing a lot. I loved like MC Escher. I don't know if you familiar oh, with him. But yeah. He's a, he's a, he's a guy and he's a, a surrealist kind of a, a modernist draftsman mm-hmm. who you know, even those famous, those famous shots of like rooms that have all different perspectives and there's like stairways going all the way up. Oh yeah. And yeah. yeah. That's, that, that's him. I, th- I think he's Dutch or something, but oh, he, cool. uh, he, um, 
he was a big influence. I loved drawing perspective. So I learned how to do like two and three point perspective as a young kid. It kind of freaked out some older artists that I guess were around. <laughs> like, wow. So yes, to answer your question, most definitely I had a very, very creative childhood. Got it. So you're always drawing and did you just naturally, because you were always drawing and loved it, did you just naturally pursue that? Or was there somebody in you know high school or something that said, Hey, you should really go into illustration. Well, I mean, my, like I said, my parents were, were definitely very, very supportive of, of, of pursuing that, uh, both being artists in their own right. Mm-hmm. Um, high school, I had a very supportive art teacher all through all four years. Her name was uh, Catherine Ward. And uh, she, you know, I went to an all-boy Catholic high school. Mm-hmm. So that was a lot. But uh um, I had her for all four years and, you know, she had to deal with a bunch of rambunctious, you know, pubescent teenager, <laughs> teenage boys running yeah. around. And, yeah. and I feel like myself and my friends kind of use the art room as like a hub, you know, away from the jocks and everyone else. And I spent a lot of my time there. So we were always drawing and, you know, I was, when I was a kid, like, you know, Dragon Ball Z was the cool thing. So I was always like drawing that. And then that, yeah, I don't know, they kind of progressed into like, okay, I'm, sort of dyslexic and I'm really bad at math and I'm not great at science. I'm okay at literature, but like I'm really good at art. So it's like, okay, there's only like a couple directions you can take from there. You can either take like the route to academia or you can try to become like a professional artist. And Mm -hmm. that's the route I take, you know, or took. It was, you know, looking back, I, you know, I had a lot of support. I had a lot of support through high school and college. I studied editorial illustration, but man, I wish I had studied something else. Honestly, I wish I had pursued graphic design. Uh, I wish I had pursued motion. Um, you know, hindsight's twenty twenty, mm-hmm. of course. Oh, sure. but, yeah. And and you know, utilizing illustration in those careers would make you like a double, triple threat. Whereas. Now I, you know, I, I work with art directors and I work with designers and I work with animators and, um, I'm always kind of one degree removed Mm -hmm. and that's, yeah. But the other side of that too, though, is that you now are an expert in a narrower column. So if somebody is looking for that expert work in that column, you're the guy and you can charge more than the guy who does it all. Maybe. Yes. Yes. And no, I feel like. 100%, like, there's definitely a lot of truth to that. I'm also a generalist within the category that I work in. Mm -hmm. So for a while, you know, studying editorial illustration, we kind of had, like, okay, you have to have a style, like, kind of pounded into your head. You have to be, like, the guy or girl that does X, Y, and Z. Mm -hmm. That's your thing. You get hired to do that thing. Um, And, you know, we we were always shown people who were super iconic for the time period and, you know, some masters from before, but... It's weird because I never really – I people always tell me they know something is mine when they see it. I personally don't see that. Um, <laughs> yeah. I see a lot of, a lot of uh, you know, here and there and different styles incorporated and different mm-hmm. moods. But um, within, within working in commercial animation, being a little bit more of a generalist where you can be given a mood board or a, or a deck and say, you know, being told, hey – here's the refs we're going to, we want to use for this project. You need to work within these guidelines, the, these styles. Mm-hmm. I'm really good at doing that. I'm really good at taking, you know, a little bit from column A, a little bit from B, 
putting it together and putting my own, definitely my own spin on it, mm-hmm. but definitely being given, let's say like you're given the colors to paint with, you know, and I'm really good at doing that, but I'm not so great at picking my own colors. Put it, take it, put it that way. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. So as long as you're, you, as long as they have a very clear idea on what they're looking for, you can take mm-hmm. it and nail it. Yes. And it's, it, it's kind of a double-edged sword though, because if you, I know, for example, that I can work within a wide range of styles, but mm. if you don't have that one style in your deck or in your portfolio on your site, you won't be hired for that thing because an art director doesn't see that you can do that. But I know that I can. Yeah. So it's like, it, but you know, it's, it's weird. You have to kind of gauge who you want your clientele to be. And then you make your portfolio of that. And my portfolio is pretty broad mm-hmm. and people see it and people will say, Hey, I want you to do, we want you to do, you know, like an illustration for an article. It's about living in New York or whatever, but we, we really like this one on your site and this one on your site. Can you do that? And I was like, yeah, sure. And they had, oh, they kind of, cool. they kind of have to, you know, the good ones at least definitely take time to be like, this is what we want to do. Mm-hmm. I'm a director. I want these styles. <laughs> this is what I want. <laughs> I am an art director. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. That's what um, they say. <laughs> I love it. So I've got the idea of how the pit, I got the picture painted on sort of how you got to this spot where you know the school, the path and all that. Um, mm-hmm. I want to know, David, what has been the most influential design or illustration of your life so far? Something that you saw and just like stuck with you. That I that I worked on, or that uh, it could be either. Maybe maybe let's go with something that you saw. Something that I saw. Okay, so when I read the the questions originally, I I took it as something that I worked on, but something that I saw. Yeah, well, no, go with that then. So what? Okay, what is I'll, something I'll that um, you know just really was influential to you in your career that you have worked on or been a part of? And um, you know, okay, well, there's, I mean. There's uh, it's a couple things. So I mean, I think one of the first ones is, is you know, and this is pretty cheesy, but I I designed um, my wife and I's wedding invitations. Mm-hmm. So I feel like that has really played a huge role in my life, and has gotten me, you know, she's kind of like my my co-pilot and my mm-hmm. my my art director. Sometimes she has a great design sense, and she helps me pick colors sometimes. Or you know, I'm like, oh, I can't get this likeness to look right, and she's like, Oh, you got to move the eye up, you know, nudge it three pixels. <laughs> like, Oh, there it is. You know? Uh, and so I think like having worked on our wedding invitations, I think is, is, you know, it's like, it's, it's cheesy, but like, it really is like, it was hugely influential to my life. Dude, you're um, getting some serious points when she hears this. Oh, well, yeah, it's true. You know, <laughs> uh, sure. and it was fun. We did like a, we did like a punk rock wedding. So, uh, we, we played, we didn't do a first dance. We did like a first gig. That's so cool. we played, played a show. And we had three other of our friends' bands play, and um, it, we got we got wild. So it was really fun. And we did so I did like a, a ticket stub was the design, and the RSVP RSVP portion was like a tear off perforated part, like a ticket stub, mm-hmm. and then you, you'd mail that part back. So that was really fun to work on. That's fun. That was, yeah. And then I think like another thing that I worked on that I, was huge for me. Like I'm not gonna, you know, I'm not great at singing my own praises, but I, I did eventually end up making a couple assignments for the New Yorker. Um, and that was, like I said before, is kind of like a, a holy grail for editorial illustrators. At least it was for me, it is. Uh-huh. And, uh, I did four reviews for 
I did one for like the uh, for for Kimmy Schmidt, and one for the Crazy Ex Girlfriend, and uh, Fresh Off the Boat, and uh, I think there was another one too. I can't remember, but those I feel like um, while they while they weren't my favorite pieces that I made, they definitely it's like the street cred thing. <laughs> yes, it you know? is. And it's funny because like as a as a student. And as an editorial student, you're given that as like a, that's the thing. That's like the thing you chase after and you want, that's the holy grail, you know, okay. And then you catch it and then you're like, oh, well, I'm 25 at the time and now what? You know, mm-hmm. it's like, oh man, that's, that's okay. So now I've done that. And then I, you know, I did four, three or four of them and then I never, I haven't made something since. And it's like, you know, it's, I keep it on my website because I, you know, it's important to acknowledge it, but mm-hmm. it's weird. I don't know. I feel like it, it's important to some people and it's less important to me now. Yeah. Cause you gotta, I, you gotta start gunning for that GQ then. I've done stuff for GQ too. I oh, mean, uh, it was GQ, GQ Germany, but it was some fun drawings that, you know, it's, I, you know, it's like, I feel like it when you live in New York, and I know this sounds probably pretty snobby, but like it's it's hard to impress people in New York. Uh-huh. Everyone is busting their ass. Everyone is working so hard and everyone is everyone I know works for big names, you know, and it's just like that's the commodity here. Mm-hmm. Everything everything is here outside of like T V and film, which is on the West Coast. But like, you know, Condé Nast is here and all these like digital agencies are here and they're you know, it's like all these clientele that people have on their resumes now, it's like it's less about who it is and and more about uh who you haven't you worked for. Like mm-hmm. you don't have so and so like for example, I was approached recently to work on something for Chick-fil-A and I opted out of it. Okay. For political political reasons. So yeah. it's stuff like that. Because I if I had that on my resume, that's like mm, okay, you're willing to take work from anybody. You know? <laughs> oh, got it. That's interesting. <laughs> An interesting way to look at it. Like you almost have to be careful who you work with and who you say no to just due to the future perception of the resume, right? Sometimes. And I don't know if a lot of people think about that, but I, I definitely do. The other thing is that, you know, the, the other side of the coin is that in, in this industry, in this city, there's so many of me. Like I am... I'm, I know I have some talent, but I know that I am one of many, many who have a lot of talent. And if I say no to something cause I'm sick or if I'm already working on something or something, I might never hear from that client again. Mm-hmm. That's a poss- that's a, that's a real possibility. 100%. So I, I say yes to a lot of stuff and saying no to Chick-fil-A was like, that would have been a lot of, uh, uh, probably a lot of money. It's that fried chicken money, you know, yeah. <laughs> crispy, crispy money. But it's, I think karmically, it would have been bad. I so, like, the, I like yeah. that view on it. I like the view on it. You know, that's, yeah. and that's good. You, <clears throat> you stand for something and you, you make decisions based on values and that's important. So that, yeah. that in itself is, um, you know, an important trait to have that yeah. not everybody has. Yeah. Right? So sure. I mean, it's funny cause like the agency that, that approached me about it, we're like, Oh, you know, we're having trouble finding people internally to work on this. Uh, I know that this is hard and we totally respect if you turn this down. And I was like, okay, I turn it down then. 
and mm-hmm. they have not stopped working with me. So like, that's good. Win. <laughs> so David, having been in GQ Germany, having been in the New Yorker, uh-huh. you know, you've got some pretty big names under your belt. And like you said, that's yeah. a pretty big deal in, yeah. in New York. Who yeah. are some of the designers and brands that you look up to now and closely follow? And what about them do you like? Uh, well, I actually, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty focused on small studios and, and animation studios and they are, they're, you know, they're mostly in New York, but they're not only in New York. Um, one such one is Gunner. Gunner is in Detroit and they're, uh, one of them is a good buddy of mine and they make some amazing work. They do, they did the, uh, opening titles for this uh, animation conference called blend that's held in Vancouver every year. Oh, cool. Um, they, and I mean, I would highly recommend checking them out. They do great work and they're sweet people. Uh, brick, the small studio that I worked in, in Stockholm with, mm-hmm. I mean, they were a life preserver to me when my wife and I moved there and mm-hmm. they continued to be a great client while, uh, I moved back and they've since been wonderful and they're also lovely people. Um, and then there's some that I haven't worked with that I love that, uh, like Buck and art and graph animate. Like there, there's all these studios that are just, they're doing some really nice stuff that, um, breaks the mold and has, it's really drawing based. That's like the, the, the thing for me. Um, I've, I've noticed like this trend in illustration and design in general that, for lack of a better word, it's really, you know, it's illustrator based, the, the, the program, the software illustrator. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think a lot of, there's not a lot of life in that program personally. Mm-hmm. Um, I am a Photoshop guy and I, I'm a drawer, you know, I'm a draftsman and I, I have a hard time seeing some things be made that just literally lack a lot of soul. And, uh, it's also an editorial, like a lot of editorial stuff is, is it's very bland and generic. Mm-hmm. There's some, there's some really good stuff being made by some younger kids that are graduating and stuff. But, um, yeah, I mean, these guys are doing good work. That's, they have like really good, talented, humble artists on board. And, uh, yeah, those are who I'm looking at at least. That's awesome. You know, I yeah. love hearing about the smaller agencies, you know, not all the big names all the time, right? It's, sure. It's cool sure. to hear sort of where these little agencies are tucked into. Yeah. I mean, it's a constant inspiration and mm-hmm. you know, they, they, there's a, a site called motionographer and some smaller ones called, um, ice cream hater and, uh, wine after coffee that are kind of aggregators for good motion work that's being produced. And, you know, I, it's not my homepage, but it's definitely one of my first five sites I look at at least almost every day. You know, I, I probably look at them more often than they're actually updated, but they are all showing great stuff. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, so David, the next question I got for you is a little bit about print and packaging. And I'm curious to hear if you have done any illustration work for print or packaging and, um, you know, any stories around that that you can share? Yeah, most definitely. I, I, I was primarily a print guy for a very long time and was doing, you know, comics for the school paper. And then I was, I did some stuff for the Buffalo news when I, after I graduated, before I graduated, I was an intern. So I was always kind of really involved in print. Mm-hmm. Um, and besides all my editorial clients that were all in print, 
and prepping files to be both you know RGB and CMYK. For sure. And losing and hating the CMYK <laughs> version of everything. But, um, yeah, I do. I mean, honestly, I've been doing a lot of T-shirts and gig posters for bands, and I think those have been my favorite recent print work that I've done. Um, when I met my, my wife, I was in a band, and she was in a band, and she was on this little DIY label called King Pizza Records, and they're like a garage fuzz surf rock punk small label in Brooklyn here and uh they've since grown to be you know many many bands across the country represented mm -hmm. by, by them uh and once in a while I get the pleasure of of making their you know their LP release show poster or their um in some cases like they, they also put out like cassette tape cassettes so I'll do like their their cassette covers or uh, you know, along with other artists who are also really good at it. So there's a kind of a rotating crew. Um, but yeah, so like doing cassettes and doing uh, gig posters, t-shirts, uh, like merch, general merch, buttons, um, tangible things mm -hmm. for sure. Um, but then even like going outside of that, like I I used to be a huge proponent of of physical postcard promo mailers. And that was kind of my in to get into art directors thoughts <laughs> Interesting. for a while. Yep. Yeah. It was a old fashioned kind of way of doing it, but it is, the, but it, it's, it shows up differently than an email, right? You know, especially yeah. in this digital world, if you put something in front of somebody that's tangible, you're going to get, yep. you know, even if it's in the seconds, you're going to go from one second of their time to yep. maybe 15 seconds of their time. Most and definitely. That makes Honest. a big deal. Totally. The, the, the big thing was like, if you send, so you could send individual ones, right. And mm -hmm. then the thing itself would show up as a postcard. Um, or it might not, you know, who knows. But the, the big thing was for me is that because I have multiple styles, I didn't want to just bet on one. Mm -hmm. on the, Cause I mean, you know, even if it's a, a single magazine, they might use a different, different number of styles per section of the magazine. Yep. So I would send three or four postcards together in a little packet. Mm -hmm. And I eventually, through trial and error and through some guidance through one of my professors, um, I invested in clear bags and that like were sealable. So I put all four in and I just chose the one that I liked the best that would be the outward facing one. And uh, got some like cardboard backs for, for stability and that's where I put the, the mailing address on mm -hmm. and uh, so that at the very least you know it gets put in front of the art director and he or she will look at it and if it's in a you know if it's in like a manila envelope they're gonna see it's from David Sadocino who the hell is that and then throw it out but if it's in a clear bag, they'll at least see it before they throw it out, you know. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> or they'll, they'll like it and they'll keep it, you know. But that was like a that was a little ace in the hole that um, worked out. And honestly, like I, you know, spending my time going to Barnes and Noble or, or Borders and um, going to the magazine rack and finding the magazines I wanted to be in, uh, going to the masthead page if there was one, and uh, you'd be surprised how many times there isn't. And then writing down the art director, the creative director, the deputy art director, if they have designers, sometimes some like Wired magazine has their like Twitter handles, uh, writing it all down and then going on like 
LinkedIn really and figuring out where are they are they still there uh-huh. and then and then hoping that I can get the mailer out soon enough that they won't have moved since then <laughs> I, I would get so many returned to me you know like return to sender yeah. and it's like ah, I just missed them you know <laughs> definitely no it's it, and it's so true there's a lot of um a lot of changeover in yeah positions like that especially in the tech world right <clears throat> sure but like also like uh local businesses there's a a little wine shop called parlor wine down the street here in greenpoint mm-hmm. that a friend of mine uh loves loves to frequent and he happened to be there when the owner was talking to somebody else saying that oh we're you know we're gonna make tote bags for the wine and man we need to find a designer for that and he was like oh i know somebody and he dropped my name and then I, he told me that he had dropped my name, so I went in. I'd never been in before, and eventually I ended up doing their tote bag design. And it's funny that this we do this interview today because it just got printed today. Oh, and they cool! Just, they just put it on their Instagram, so like it turned out great. And so I've done, you know, it, that's I, I've done a lot of stuff. I've done a lot of merch for bands and tote bags for wine and. Mm-hmm spamming art directors with my content <laughs> but that's the way to do it that's how you get attention i love that though pretty You're much using print yeah. to get in their faces yeah totally. so david the next few questions i have for you take you down the part of your career where you've likely made some mistakes learned some lessons sure. and i want to pull those stories out um okay. no matter how uncomfortable we'll get through it together Okay, um, so I want to know what was the most challenging time in your design career so far, the most challenging period in your career. Why was it challenging and how did you get through it? It's a four-part answer. Okay. If that's okay. A four-part answer. Hmm. What could those four parts be? Well, you'll just have to tune into part two of this interview with David tomorrow. Thanks so much for listening to part one. I really appreciate your time. Part two is up tomorrow morning. Talk to you later. Bye.